looking at this early church, the early Christians, what did they see was important? And we talked about this idea of anchoring themselves. First and foremost, they anchored themselves to Jesus. Like we saw message after message after message about he was the one who brought salvation to them. And then when we jumped back at the very beginning of Acts, we saw this idea that 3,000 people were added to the church after that very first sermon going, this is what we need to do. We need him. And so their lives were built upon that foundation. But then in Acts 2.42, kind of the verse that we're looking at over the next four weeks, it talked about how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, to fellowship, or to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, like those four areas. And that word devoted has this idea of something being steadfast, continual, or even this idea of a single-minded focus. And so they saw these things as significant. And ultimately, being anchored in Jesus, these four areas were things that they thought were important. And so today we're going to look at this idea of the apostles' teaching. Now, what exactly would that have consisted of? I mean, maybe you haven't realized this, but at this point in time, they don't have a Bible. They don't have the New Testament even yet. It hasn't been written. And so what exactly would this apostles' teaching have been like filled with? First and foremost, a lot of Old Testament scripture that pointed towards Jesus. And again, we saw some of that in our messages last week, but this idea of look at what God has done, and it was all pointing towards Jesus. The apostles' teaching would have included accounts of Jesus's earthly ministry. Let me tell you about things that he did. It would have talked about his death and his resurrection, so people understand this main point. It would have talked about salvation and how each person needed it, but because of Jesus, it was available the apostles' teachings would have been a compilation of Jesus' words, like teachings about the kingdom, or this is what you must do to live as you're following after him. I'm sure it would have had a mixture of gentleness at the same time as conviction. All of that together, the apostles' teaching would have been Christ-centered, and it would have been relevant to life. You think about it, these new converts to Christ, they've heard this message, but now they're hungry for the truth. Let me understand, what does this mean? And back then again, not only did they not have the New Testament or Bibles, they don't have ones that they can carry. And so they're coming every Sunday to hear the word. And yet even with that, it's not just something that they talk about on Sundays. It's something that they talk about quite often in their homes. And this teaching, it was a foundational truth. This teaching, it just wasn't head knowledge so that I can become smarter. It changed their lives. And so in the letters that Paul writes that we have as part of the New Testament, he refers back to these teachings and he continually says these started with the apostles. But listen to the importance that Paul places on these teachings. And so I'm going to be jumping around quite a few verses. Maybe you just want to make notes on where they're found, these scripture references. It's also in our Bible app. If you want to go and look there, it has all of these listed here. But just listen to the teachings that Paul talks about. In Romans chapter 6... Verse 17, he says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, he says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, it says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, it's God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, Paul writes, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. And one more verse, 1 Corinthians 3, 2, Paul says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. And in this section, he's saying, I wanted to give you deeper, more mature teachings, but at this moment in your life, you were not ready for it. But as you hear all of those verses together, you see that this apostle's teaching was important to the early Christians. The words hold to or keep or continue or obey or stand firm in the teaching was communicated. And as you do that, you will mature and the whole body of Christ will grow together. And so today for us as a church, we want to be in God's word. We want it to be the foundation of why we do something and not just sprinkle in a little verse here or there in our sermon or a lesson to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. Like, don't get me wrong. Ultimately, we're here for Jesus. Like, we love him. We want to obey him. But the two ways that we learn most about him is through the spirit of God and through the word of God. And so we don't want to add to or subtract from what he intends for us. Like where he wants to lead, we want to follow. And without sugarcoating it, we want to preach the truth. But we can't do that if we're not in his word. Like I don't know if you ever thought about this, but God doesn't just call us to be like a self-help support group. Like that's not what we're supposed to be. But we are a mighty force that is built upon his foundation. And that is why the early church felt that it was so important to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, Paul, he also gave some other instructions to believers with regards to these teachings. He says, guard yourself. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, he says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and who does not live according to the teaching that you received from us. Or in Romans 16, 17, it says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions 
where they put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you learned. He says, keep away from them. Like in both of these scenarios, Paul is telling followers of Jesus, hey, be careful for those who don't follow the teachings of Jesus. Some will even claim to be Christians, but you're not seeing them live that way. He said others are going to be in direct opposition to your beliefs. They are going to try to tear you down. They may tell you that you're old-fashioned, like that book, it doesn't mean anything. Or maybe they're going to try to tell you that there are too many mistakes or contradictions within it. Although if you would ask them, can you show me where? Most of the time they can't. It's just something that they've heard out there. Or sometimes you'll even hear, you really should just live the way that you want to. Like really that's what life is all about. But all of these are just simply ways that people try to justify their own choices. I'm reminded of a book that I first read at my in-law's house that's all about Adam Raccoon. All right, Adam Raccoon. King Aaron lets Adam have this box with a flying machine that needs to be assembled because Adam wants to fly. And so uh, Adam gives this instru- or Adam is given this instruction book on how to build it. He's also given this turtle named Ernest to come alongside and help him with the process of assembling the machine. And so they open up the box, but pieces scatter everywhere as the box completely falls apart. And Adam is not excited about how long this process is going to take as they follow the instructions step by step. And so in comes a goat who is simply called Professor. And this Professor, he says, well, what do you expect when things are done the old-fashioned way? He says, with the new way, there is only one simple rule. Do whatever feels right to you. And so Adam likes that idea, and he begins just putting all the pieces wherever he wants. And when he is done, it is time to fly the machine. But even there, the professor isn't real excited about flying. Like, he's hiding behind the tree. He's like, "Uh, I've got some other appointment. And he takes off running, because you can see the uncertainty of looking at what has been built, that he doesn't trust this. And yet Adam takes off, and shortly afterwards, the machine crashes in the lake. Adam is saved and he comes to and he asks for a second chance and King Aaron has the machine pulled out of the lake and Adam is ready to start building again with Ernest following the instruction book. And after an amount of time, he completes the machine with great joy. He goes on to fly this machine in what they called the greatest air show the animals of the forest had ever seen. I can tell you that people may try to persuade you and tell you that the new way is really how you ought to do things. But the apostles' teaching, the word of God does not change, and it stands the test of time. And as we live by it, as we live by all of it, not just picking and choosing the parts that maybe are easy or the parts that fit our schedule or the parts that go along with culture, like we need to guard ourselves against people who have this train of thinking of, ah, just do this. We need to guard ourselves when they try to push us across different lines because God knows what is best. We need to guard ourselves. But the last thing that Paul talks about also is not just guarding yourself and the importance of this teaching, but that we need to pass it along to other people. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. He says, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So let me ask this question. 
do you know God's word well enough to teach others? Are you prepared? I can tell you, none of us in this room, let me repeat that, none of us in this room know every answer to every question. But if you are in the word of God, you have a great base for the knowledge and the understanding that he wants you to have. And get this, Jesus also promised the the disciples. He said, hey, the Holy Spirit will come and help you recall the words that you need when you need them. And I believe that that promise is still true for us today. However, if you have not been in the word of God, where are the words going to come from to recall? We have to be in the word of God. If you know me very well at all, you know that I'm not afraid to ask questions. Like, I want to do things right. And so I'll ask, hey, is this what this should look like? Or how do we go about doing this? However, I am also the type of person that I can get frustrated if I'm in a group or whatever, and someone asks a question that has just been answered by the leader, but they weren't paying attention. Like, or maybe they ask a question that is written right in front of them in a packet that they were supposed to read and they didn't. Like, that just really does make me frustrated because you're not paying attention to what's been said. Sometimes I'll have people come and talk to me and they're like, man, I wish I knew what God's answer was for me in such and such a situation. And sometimes I'll say, do you have any clue what God's word says? Have you looked at it? And oftentimes, not always, But oftentimes, the person has never opened up their word to see what it says. We say we want to hear from God, but we fail to listen to what he's already said. Call it a hunch, but I'm betting that probably doesn't work very well in a marriage, in a friendship, within a team, at work. And so let's be in the word of God that we can be prepared to be able to pass along the teachings. At the end of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus' last words in this section, he says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And often in that passage, we focus on the words, this idea of going or baptizing. But did you hear the idea of make disciples, teaching them? For people to be able to find and follow Jesus, we have to teach them about Jesus first. And then we continue teaching long after the initial decision has been made. One more verse that was already up on the video a while ago in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. See, I love that this topic was able to fall on this day of child dedication. The parents, you have a responsibility to teach your kids. So talk about God. Demonstrate his ways through your life. Take advantage of those life moments to show his love, his truth, his ways. Don't just like hope that your kids are going to snatch on to truth or hope that they choose to follow it. Instead, spend time investing in them and let God's word flow through you. You know what? You can't pass along the apostles' teachings if we aren't in the word of God. How do we know where to follow 
if we never look and ask, where is it we're supposed to go? And I would tell you that having said all of that, everyone in here would agree with this in theory. Yep, you know what? I want to know God's word or I want to guard against other teachings or I even want to be able to pass it along to other people. But the question might be like, but I don't even know where to start. I mean, like, have you seen the size of this book? And like, that's little words in there, okay? Little lettering, like how in the world am I supposed to do this? And so this morning, the question to focus on for the next few minutes is what step does God have for you? not someone else in here, what step does God have for you as you either start to devote yourself to God in this area, in his teachings, or as you continue to devote yourself to God in his teachings? And here's a few suggestions that might encourage you, whether you're beginning or continuing to devote yourself to him. The first thing is this, set a reasonable expectation to start with. Like if you want to start a time with God, a devotion time, start small with the amount of time. And please hear me. I'm not limiting God in this, but have you ever like made a huge goal and it didn't take you very long just to kind of give up because you're like, there's no way that you can do this. You know, you're two weeks into January. Yep. The gym's done. You've started some kind of project and you're like, I don't even know how to do this. Let's just sell it on eBay. Let's just throw it away. You know, all that kind of stuff. As you begin a time with God, focus on quality not quantity, and let God use that to help you grow. And as you mature, God will often increase your desire to learn from him. I just have to say this. Please, please don't tell me you don't have time. Okay, like I've even used that at times in my own mind, but here's what I would tell you. We make time for that which we really need to do or what we say is important. I would imagine most of you are going to eat three meals today, some of you more, okay? I would also bet that you make it to work or school generally about the time that you're supposed to be there. I imagine that you have time to check your social media. Maybe you've done that already this morning. You know what time a football game is on or television show. Like even if life is really busy, we do have time. And so the question is, How am I going to set time for this? And so start small with this reasonable expectation and allow God to grow you in that. Here's the second thing I would tell you. Find a regular place and time. And I get that you will not always be able to do your time with Jesus at the same time or the same place. But if you carve something out with purpose, there's a greater chance that you will do it. And so is there a certain place that you connect? Like, are you a nature person? So you want to go sit outside because you just feel God there. Some of you are like, nope, there's bugs. It's cold. I'm not doing that. So is there a room that you can go to, a place that you can be by yourself where you can hang things up on the wall that you learn? Maybe there's a specific time that works better for you. Some of you, I'm waking up, I'm getting the coffee, and I'm going to read God's word at that time. Some of you are like, nope, they're crazy. I'm lucky to get out of bed and make it to work on time. And so you're like, at night, at the end of the day, that's the time that I'm able just to kind of relax, wind down, and be with God. For some people, it's like everything is crazy at home. There's not a quiet time there whatsoever. And so during lunch, like I take this at work, and I'm out in my truck, I'm right outside, I close my door, whatever that looks like, that's where I am. Is there a specific time that works for you? There's not a wrong answer, but as you're doing this, find a regular place and time because as you create a routine, it will help you in trying to establish a habit. 
Here's the third thing I would tell you about devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching. Use resources to help you. Use resources to help you. Like, I get it that if you have not read much of the Bible, it can be overwhelming just to even know where to start with. So use devotion books or reading plans. But even telling you that, don't just stick to devotion books. Like, one thing that our culture can do is we can actually read more about the Bible than we do the Bible. And we want to make sure that God's word is what's changing us. I can tell you resource-wise, don't be afraid to use an electronic version if that helps you. Maybe you're not a reader, and so being able to listen to it helps you to understand. Maybe you're like all these names, you're like, I have no idea how to pronounce. So like you're like wanting to listen to understand these things, all right? I would caution you on this. If you have a phone, beware that text messages and notifications can distract you. And so if you're trying to focus on God, maybe don't choose to use that at the moment. Another resource you can use is called a concordance. All right. That is something that lists out words and you can then look for the word love and it will tell you a bunch of verses where the word love is found. And so if you're struggling with something or you want to know about a topic, use that to go and look. In fact, plenty of Bibles have one in the back of your Bible. Okay. If you don't, Here's an amazing tool that we now have. It's called Google. Like you can type in verses about parenting, verses about giving, like whatever it is, and it will pop up a whole lot. And you can read them. And some of them may not apply to what you're wanting, but man, there are a lot of them that do. The amount of resources that we have to be able to be in the word and understand it is so helpful. And speaking of that, you can even still listen to sermons and podcasts. And I know that people spend a lot of time preparing those things so you can learn from them. But again, I would encourage you, don't just do that. Make sure you are in the word yourself. But in this age that we live in, take advantage of the resources that are available. Here's the fourth thing I would tell you. Ask God to teach you something. Like when you're starting your time out with him, ask him, God, will you teach me something? Will you show me something? Help me to listen to you. And so teach me about who you are because I need that today. Help me to know some truth. God, help me to know about myself, maybe as I'm struggling in this area. Help me to understand. Help me to focus. If you simply stop at the beginning of your time with him, that allows you to slow down. It allows you to put you in the, my, the right mindset, and it asks for his help, which last time I checked is a pretty good source. So ask him to help you. Number five, don't finish God's sentences. All right, don't finish God's sentences. And I don't know if you've ever tried to complete someone, else sentence, someone else's sentences, but you've been wrong. And like, maybe you're in that conversation and you throw out like four or five words in a row. Maybe it's this, maybe it's this. And they're like frustrated with you by the end. All right, because it doesn't seem like you're listening. Like sometimes we'll try to complete someone else's sentence because we're in a hurry. We're like, you're taking forever in the story. So you're like trying to help them along. Or you've had this conversation before. So you're like, okay, I know the answer. All right. But when we do that, it doesn't show that we're truly listening. And sometimes we can do that with God's word, especially in these passages that we've read a lot before. And so we can be reading it and our mind just starts to go somewhere else. In fact, in my own reading time this week, there was one day that I caught myself. Okay, I know this passage. So I was going off and I had to bring it back. And go, God, help me to focus right now in this area and teach me something new. You know what? There may be these sections that you've read a million times, but there are still things that God may want you to know. So don't finish his sentences. Here's the sixth thing that may be helpful for you. Look for an action step. 
Okay. Remember being devoted to God's teaching affects the way that we live. So as you're reading it, God, what is it that I should do or how should I think or how should I respond? So in this situation, God, how do I really love my spouse? How do I, how am I able to forgive my neighbor? What should I do? God, I'm in this spot. What should I say to my teammate or coworker? Man, this situation, how do I handle it financially? This world with everything that I see, how do I live in it? God, you want me to live purely. Like, what does this mean? How do I stand for justice? How do I help the needy? Like, what should I believe? James tells us that faith without works is dead. And so actions, they don't save us, but they are the fruit that shows what kind of tree that we are. And so as you're reading, look for or listen. God, God, help me as I'm reading this. I'm listening. What should it spur me into action to do. Here's the seventh and final thing I would encourage you to do. Don't do it on your own. Don't do it on your own. Here's what I mean. Even in personal studies that you quote, do on your own, do by yourself, do it with someone else. And so what I mean by that is have someone else that maybe you're reading the same thing. Like last year, my wife, my oldest daughter, we read through the entire Bible together and we didn't like talk about it every single night, but certain times during the weeks, hey, what did you think about that? Did you have any questions? Like it was something just to help keep you accountable. Sometimes I know people do this in small groups. Hey, let's talk about this. Let's read this while we're away and come back and be able to talk about it. Sometimes I remember moments where members of our youth group would read the same thing and then we would post a comment on social media and we'd call it hashtag SRCC devotions. So it was just a one sentence response to what we read, but you knew that you weren't doing it by yourself. And even if you're reading something completely by yourself, have someone else that you can tell them, hey, this is what I'm learning because man, it's great to have people around you and not just do it by yourself. But it's not just personal studies. I talked about the idea of groups. So maybe that's a class or a small group and you can talk and discuss. You can ask questions because people have different life circumstances or even the way they see things allows you to come to a text differently and you can work on it together and being open with his word and with other people is what God really wants for our lives. Not just hearing a lesson once a week from stage, but even saying that, let me talk about services for a second they do help us to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. And so let's make services a priority. Or when you're here, be mentally all here. Like don't make church another thing to do on your checklist. Maybe I would tell you, come ready to experience God, to build your relationship with him. Like have an expectation as you walk in to these doors. For Sunday mornings, I would also tell you, get the sleep you need the night before. Man, that makes such a big difference. In the mornings, give yourself enough time to get ready. Do your best not to rush in last minute. And I get it. Life happens. Okay? I get it that life happens. But man, getting kids out the door can take a lot longer than you ever planned for that day. But if you're always rushing in at the very last minute or like past the last minute, like it takes a while to transition yourself into a time of calmness, into a time of being able to listen and so try not to rush yourself. I would also tell you this with services afterwards, go home and feel free to check the scripture that we looked at. You know what? Not in a negative way, but going, okay, is this all God's truth? In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, we read about these Jews who lived in Berea and they listened to Paul's sermons. And then they said, it says that they went home and they examined it against scripture to make sure that the teaching was correct. 
And I know like all the ministers here, we try hard to present God's truth in its fullness. But I'm going to tell you we're human too. Like I've gone back and listened to some of my sermons right after college. And I am thankful that God can work in spite of us as well. But like when we're teaching a sermon or a lesson, like maybe there's something that we haven't thought of. Or maybe there's even a verse that contradicts one of the things that we said. Or maybe it's simply that we haven't learned something in our own walk with Christ yet. But worship services, they're not meant to be the Andy show or Rick's words of wisdom or Nick's knowledge or Sam's sayings or Cameron's coachings. Or, well, you get the point. That's not what this is all about. Through our services, like may God's word, may his truth be what is communicated. After all, the changes, the changes in people's lives happen way more with the word of God than anything witty or even any wise phrase that we can come up with. So don't be afraid to take from these services and study it on your own. But again, don't do it completely by yourself. Don't try to follow. Don't try to devote yourself to God's teaching all on your own. The early church, they came together as a body of believers, as a community, and not to talk about movies or cooking or hobbies or sports or anything like that. Now, that is a byproduct of living in a community, so you're going to talk about those things. But first and foremost, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And as we choose to do that, we create a community that is strong, that is real. We're not wearing any masks, and it provides you a place to belong. And so Jesus unites us despite our different ethnicities, our different backgrounds, our different socioeconomic groups, our different movie or food or exercise of political preferences. He unites us no matter our knowledge of him or our past that has brought us up to this point. We gather around Jesus and his word. And as we do that, he will not fail. Our foundation can be firmly built upon him. Our anchor can be attached to him and he will securely hold us during the storms. So this word devoted, like what is one thing that you can take from this morning to be maybe even more devoted to him than you were as you walked through these doors this morning? Is it one of the suggestions was it a specific scripture? And maybe it all starts by giving your life to him today, anchoring yourself to him. And as we sing, like if you have questions, if you need prayer, if you want to choose Jesus in your life today, then I would ask you to head to the decision point or reach out to Sam online because God is faithful and he will never fail you. We are going to build our life upon the foundation of Jesus and his word. Let's stand as we sing.